Turn with me, please, to the book of Daniel, chapter 2. Daniel, chapter 2. We are going to cover some ground tonight. And I want you to see, we'll see how the Lord leads tonight, God willing, into next week. I have a few pictures, not many, just a few to show you, to try and give you an idea of what we're speaking about. And they give you a visual that you can get a better picture in your mind. My idea is not to try uh, to confuse anyone because there's a lot of information. But also it will not just be history. You're going to see his story in history. That is the story of the Lord Jesus Christ, the great shepherd of the sheep and the shepherd of Israel. And you're going to see him pre-Bethlehem. Uh, as leading God's people. And then, of course, he comes in flesh and he dies for them. But what we want to show you are the kingdoms from Nebuchadnezzar's prophetic dream. We want to show you how man sees them. And then throughout, whether it's tonight or next week, whenever it is, we'll show you how God looks at them. Now, how man sees himself, there's going to be an awful lot of scriptures that I'll give you and lots of different thoughts. But please bear with me. I really want to take my time, and this is the first time I've used one of these wee clicker things. So Andrew set this up for me, and I will point at an audible thing. It'll be more teaching than a preaching session tonight. So just bear with me, because this is a massive subject, and even that which we uh, touch on tonight and whatever nights uh, after this is just the skimming the surface of it. But if you don't know it, it can be quite daunting to try and understand it. So I'll do my best. To bring you along, precept upon precept, line upon line, here a little, there a little. Let's turn to Daniel 2, verse 31, just for a basis of our reading, and then keep your Bible open, for there's going to be much to read. Daniel is speaking to Nebuchadnezzar. He says, Thou, O king, sawest, and behold, a great image. This great image, whose brightness was excellent, stood before thee, and the form thereof was terrible. The image's head was of fine gold, his breast and arms of silver, his belly, his thighs of brass, his legs of iron, his feet part of iron and part of clay. Thou sawest till that a stone was cut out without hands, which smote the image upon his feet, that were of iron and clay, and break them to pieces. Then was the iron, the clay, the brass, the silver, and the gold broken to pieces together, and became like the chaff of the summer threshing floors. And the wind carried them away, that no place was found for them. And the stone that smote the image became a great mountain and filled the whole earth. Let's pray for a moment. Father, we ask you that you would now help me, Lord, to rightly to, to divide the word of truth, to break the bread of life to your people. And Lord, your word tells us that my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. Help every one of us tonight to know the great plan of God for the, of the ages and for the kingdoms of this world. 
until it is proclaimed the kingdoms of this world have become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ. And so, God, we ask you, Lord, to allow us and enable us to see what you would have us to know and speak to our hearts and say what you'd have us to say. Give us teachable spirits, receptive hearts, and understanding intelligence. Holy Spirit, we pray that you would anoint your word and wing it to every heart that every single one of us will see your wonderful plan of salvation and the great kingdom of God that is to come at the coming again of the Lord Jesus Christ. So glorify your Son, we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Here, uh, Judah, we're going to explain this to you in a moment, are in captivity in Babylon. Now, before that in time, before our reading in time, when you go through the Old Testament, you'll read of Israel in Egypt, for example. Moses leading them out through the blood of the Lamb, across the Red Sea with the sea opening, God giving them passage on dry land. You read of the miracles of the bread and the water out of the flinty rock and in the wilderness, you'll read of them coming across the land of Canaan and casting out the enemy before them, taking over the land of Canaan and establishing a throne through King David in Jerusalem. So that's it, really, in a nutshell, before this. But something specific happened that men seem to not understand, have never heard, or tend to gloss over, or just don't want to believe, I don't know. But this is of the utmost importance that you'll see that what you're reading tonight, and for the next night or two that comes after this, I want you to see God's great plan for the whole earth. God's great plan for the coming kingdom of the Lord Jesus Christ. And between this reading and the coming of the Lord, there had to be shed blood. There had to be the forgiveness of sin. And it doesn't matter. I want to make this clear now. It doesn't matter who you are, whether you've come up Protestant or Catholic in the Catholic Church or a Protestant denomination. If you're not born again of the Spirit, if you're not washed by faith in the blood of the Lamb, it doesn't matter what religion you grew up in. It must be by grace through faith in our Lord Jesus Christ and in Christ alone. We are saved because we are in Christ, not because we are in a denomination, not because we're in the Catholic Church, not because we're in the Baptist Church or CET Church, not because we come to these meetings, but because we have trusted in the finished work of the Lord Jesus Christ. There's no other will enter the kingdom but through the blood of the Lamb, the Lord Jesus. I want to make that clear from the outset, because in this, you're going to see as it develops, you're going to see religions rising. Now, maybe not tonight, maybe next week, I don't know, maybe the week after, depending how we get on, because it's a big subject. There are two horns mentioned in Daniel. There's the horn of the West, and there's the horn of the East. And they've already sprung up and are prevalent in religion this very day. And I'm going to show you what they are. Maybe show you a little picture just to give you an idea what they are. And you're going to see these kingdoms where Daniel speaks of them. And they follow one after the other. And they're all known as metal until it becomes the metal of iron mixed with clay. Okay, so before our reading here, before our reading of Judah, 
in Babylon, in captivity, years before the 12 tribes were in Israel. And they had the ruling kings. They had, of course, Saul, who was not God's choice. And then when the Lord disposed of Saul, he anointed David to be the ruler over a united kingdom, that is, of Israel. Solomon was David's son. David, of course, writes the Psalms and so on. Solomon, David's son. Now, we want to read about something that happened, and it's very, very important. Will you turn with me, please, to 1 Kings chapter 11? As I said, I was going to just mention it and then run on, but I want you to read it. I want you to get it into your mind. I want you to let it go into your heart. This is the word of God, not the word of some preacher. Notice 1 Kings chapter 11. Notice what it says about Solomon. Now, remember, this is before our opening reading. But King Solomon loved many strange women together with the daughter of Pharaoh, women of Moab, Ammonites, Moabites, Ammonites, Edomites, Sidonians, and Hittites. Now, briefly, let me tell you who these nations are. For example, we know Pharaoh, Egypt. We know the Moabites and the Ammonites. They come from an ancestral relationship through Lot. Remember Abraham? takes Lot, and he, he comes out from Sodom. Abraham brings him out of Sodom, and, uh, and or the angels bring him out of Sodom, you remember, and his wife turns back and is turned to a pillar of salt. And you'll remember that uh, Lot, Abraham's nephew, he then lies with his own daughters in a drunken stupor. And because of this, they have children to their father. This ancestral line become the Moabites and the Ammonites. And God says none of them ever shall enter into the line of Shem, or the Shemites, or the Semites. Now you have to notice this, for Solomon is from the line of the Shemites. Here's another little note for you. Ruth the Moabite is not a Moabite. She's an Israelite living in Moab. Or she has already put a curse upon the line of Christ. Now think about this. Let's do what the Scripture says. So now we have Moab, Pharaoh's women, women of Moabites, Ammonites, Edomites. Edomites are the children of Esau. We have Jacob and Esau. Esau, remember, was the eldest, took the birthright and gave it over, didn't want the birthright, gave it to Jacob. Now, God already had it in line for Jacob anyway, but nevertheless, he showed his disregard, Esau did, for the birthright and sold his birthright for a pot of super stew. Showed how little he thought of this birthright. So Jacob took it. The Edomites, or if you read of Seir in the scriptures, S-E-I-R. Edomites, Edom, Esau, Seir. They're all of the same peoples. And so God had cast them away too. They were no longer allowed in the line as, as well. And so, of course, then we have the Zidonians. The Zidonians were of Tyrus. And you'll read through the prophets that God says of the king of Tyrus that the spirit of Satan was with him. Because he says, Thou wast in Eden, the garden of God, speaking to the leader of the Zidonians. We read later on in the line of, Jude, in line of Israel that King Ahab had married Jezebel. The Jezebel spirit, Jezebel, was a Zidonian. So she was married in now, and she was a witch from the Zidonian people. And of course then, when we finish this, the Hittites, the Hittites were those who were the arch enemies 
around Turkoid peoples around the, the, the northern borders of uh, Israel and then coming encroaching further in. Solomon took wives and he loved them. They turned his heart from the Lord. Verse 2 at the end of, the, of, of 1 Kings 11 says, Solomon clave unto these in love. Notice that. Solomon clave unto these in love. Now, let your eye run down to verse 5. For Solomon went after Ashtaroth, the goddess of the Zidonians. Ashtaroth is another word for Ishtar. Ishtar is where you get your name Easter from. This was a Babylonian mystery that had come across and surrounding the whole area. And so Solomon went after their god of Ashtaroth, a god of the Zidonians, after Milcom, the abomination of the Ammonites. And Solomon did evil in the sight of the Lord and went not fully after the Lord, as did David his father. Now, we can read on of what Solomon did. But look at verse 9. And the Lord was angry with Solomon because his heart was turned from the Lord God of Israel, which had appeared unto him twice. God himself appeared unto Solomon twice, and he still fell away. Imagine that. And he still turned away from God. And had commanded him concerning this thing, that he should not go after, after other gods, but he kept not that which the Lord commanded. Wherefore the Lord said unto Solomon, For as much as this thing is done of thee, thou hast not kept my covenant and my statutes, which I have commanded thee, I will surely, now note the language, I will surely rend the kingdom from thee, and will give it to thy servant, notwithstanding in thy days I will not do it, for David thy father's sake, but I will rend it out of the hand of thy son. Howbeit, I will not rend away all the kingdom, but will give one tribe unto thy son David, for David my servant's sake, and for Jerusalem's sake, which I have chosen. Now let me tell you in a nutshell what is going on. God had had enough of Solomon's sin. And he says, the whole kingdom is going to be rent. You're going to have, and not in your days, but in your servant's days, or in your son's days. And then he says, and I'm only doing it for your father David's sake, who walked after me. That is King David. So you have, you have Saul, you have David, you have Solomon, and then you have a young man called Jeroboam. Turn over 1 Kings chapter 11, and let your eye run down to verse 28. And the man Jeroboam was a mighty man of valor, and Solomon, seeing the young man, that he was industrious, made him ruler over all the charge of the house of Joseph. Now the house of Joseph is two tribes generally, in Scripture, they are Joseph's sons from Egypt. The ones that Jacob blessed, crossing his hands and says, The Lord that hath redeemed me all my days, bless the lads. And he crosses the hands. And Joseph says, Father, no, for Ephraim was the younger, Manasseh was the elder, and it should have been the right hand on Manasseh's head, but he put it on Ephraim the younger. And Jacob says, Son, I know what I'm doing, I know. He shall be a nation and a company or a commonwealth of nations. His people but he shall be great, that is Manasseh. And so that is the house of Joseph. But Joseph becomes known as a greater entity then. And so this young man, Jeroboam, he was put in charge of mainly the tribes of Ephraim and Manasseh, but more of the northern territory of Israel. Now, note what it says 
in verse 29. And it came to pass at that time when Jeroboam went out of Jerusalem that the prophet Ahijah, the Shilonite, found him in the way, and he had clad himself with a new garment, and they too were alone in the field. And Ahijah caught the new garment that was on him and rent it in twelve pieces. And he said, on, said to Jeroboam, Take thee ten pieces, for thus saith the Lord, the God of Israel, Behold, I will rend the kingdom out of the hand of Solomon and will give ten tribes to thee. But he said, He shall have one tribe for my servant David's sake and for Jerusalem's sake, the city which I have chosen out of all the tribes of Israel. Ahijah the prophet meets Jeroboam, takes his new garment or his new coat off him, rips it into 12 pieces, counts out 10 and says, God's going to rend the kingdom, 10 pieces. Ten tribes. And here are two. The tribe of David, that is Judah. And there will be Benjamin. He says there are two. So here the kingdom becomes rent in. How do I turn this on? Two kingdom. That's not it. <laughs> so it becomes rent into two kingdoms. And God gives Benjamin. Now remember these names because these come into the New Testament. Benjamin, for example, Paul the Apostle, he was a Benjaminite. Most of the, uh, the Apostles, bar maybe uh, Matthew, who was, who was from the tribe of possibly of Levi, he, uh, and Judas Iscariot, who was, a, who was a Jew or a Judite, he, except for those, there are probably all Benjamites. Benjamin means son of my right hand, but they are known here later, if you're right, I'll give them as a light before me always. They become known as the light-bearing tribe. They're the ones in the new covenant, the way later in years, where they start to preach the gospel all over the world. Paul goes out and preaches the gospel. All the apostles go out to preach the gospel, mainly from the light-bearing tribe, holding forth the word of life. Now notice this. Here's what it would be like, the 12 king. There's Jeroboam, he becomes the king of Israel. Notice the bottom here. Rehoboam is Solomon's son. He becomes known as the king of Judah. Notice. Here's the, the northern kingdom. Samaria is their capital city. Jeroboam, king of Judah. The southern kingdom, Judah, is their southern capital. Two capital cities. They become two nations. And throughout Scripture from 1 Kings 11, now notice this, throughout Scripture from 1 Kings 11, they become known as the house of Israel and the house of Judah. Two houses they become known as. Now note these down, I haven't time to read these. Ezekiel 37, they become known as two sticks. Two sticks. Where God says, and now David's dead and gone, but he's speaking of David being the son of David, the Lord Jesus Christ, that only there can they be brought together. In Christ. And then they become known as two daughters in Ezekiel chapter 23. Two daughters. One daughter is called Ahola, and the other daughter is called Ahaliba. The northern kingdom is called Ahala, the southern kingdom is called Ahaliba in Ezekiel 32. Ahala means she hath her own tent. She hath her own tent. Tent, Ahala. The northern kingdom went after other gods. The northern kingdom went after all the gods of the heathen. 
And God then would eventually divorce them. That's the word he uses. I have divorced your sister, he says. Or where is the bill of your mother's divorce? And he's talking about the northern kingdom of Israel. Notice, they are called Samaria. They become called Joseph. They are called Ephraim after the head tribe. And of course, they're called the house of Israel. Now take note of this. Ahala means she hath her own tent. Ahaliba means, that is the southern kingdom of Judah here. It means my tent is in her. My tent is in her. And Judah in Jerusalem had the temple where God said that they were to worship. And that's what he means. My tent is in her. My tent is there. The northern kingdom, my tent isn't there anymore. She was like a woman who had committed adultery time and time and time again before her husband. And he then kicks her out, as it were, of the marital home of Canaan land. And we'll show you a little bit more about that in a minute. They become two sisters. In the New Testament, they become two sons. Jesus speaking himself. In Luke chapter 15, the parable of the prodigal son. Now, you all know that, I'm sure. The parable of the prodigal son is about the backslider coming back to the Lord. And yes, that's basically the, uh, the, the message we can take from it. But that is not the message that Jesus was really giving. Now, there's nothing wrong with preaching that. But that's not the main message. The main message was the northern kingdom was the prodigal son who would go among the heathen, who would not return. And the son, the elder brother, who was complaining when the younger brother came back. Remember, the, the prodigal was into the pigsty, and he, he blows all his, his living. Well, that was the house of Israel. The house of Judah is the southern kingdom, and they are the elder brother who say, well, we have been here all this time and you've killed the fatted calf and put a ring on his finger and a cloak on his back and you've had dancing and music for him because he's come back again. And the father of the two sons says, all that I've had has been yours all this time. So the, the, the Jews had the temple, the Jews had the ritual, the Jews had the oracles, the Jews had the word. Can you see that now? And this is what that really means. And there's nothing wrong now with doing it to an individual backslider. So notice they become two sons, two cities, two lines of kings come out of them. From the northern kingdom comes kings like, um, every one of the northern kingdom kings were, were evil in the sight of the Lord. King Ahab with Jezebel is from Samaria, the capital. That's where their kingdom was, the northern kingdom. King Jehoshaphat was in Judah. King Hezekiah, the reformer king, was in Judah at the bottom. So you can see there's two lines of kings, but only one is chosen by God, and that was the one in Jerusalem. And so then, whenever we go on this, we see there are two different aggressors come to these two kingdoms. There is the aggressor who is the Assyrian Empire under a man initially called Sennacherib. And Sennacherib, or if you want it spelling with Sennacherib, he comes with his armies. God removes his hands of protection and they come and carry away the house of Israel over a period of years. Now that is very, very, very important because, let me see if I can work this clicker. Yay, there we are. The northern kingdom go into Assyria and they go up across here which is known as the Caucasus Mountains. The Caucasus Mountains. 
Still mountain range there today. There's a pass, there's a big valley called the Dariel Pass, but the people that live around there to this day call it Israel's Pass. Said that Israel passed through it. That is the northern kingdom. 721 BC, 721 BC, the Assyrians took the capital city of Samaria. Of Samaria. Now here's something for you to note and study this when you go home. Read Leviticus chapter 26. And God says unto Israel, all of Israel, if you walk contrary unto me, I'll walk contrary unto you, and I will punish you seven times more for your sin. And he repeats it. He warns them. He repeats it. I will punish you seven times more for your sin. Now, let me just do this in a nutshell. One time is 360. Write that down if you're writing. One time is 360. I'll give you an example. I'm facing you. One, 360. Two, 360. And I'm getting dizzy. I'm not going to do seven. So here we have 360 multiplied by seven. Okay? Seven times. One time is 360. So 360 multiplied by seven. Now, if you're a mathematician, you've worked it out already. It's 2,520. 2,520 and in... in uh, Prophecy, you can have a day for a year or a day for a thousand years. A thousand years is one day, and a day is a thousand years, a thousand years is one day. And then we're told that the prophet was told the land is said a day for a year for each of the houses, and it was a day for a year. Seekle 14, I think. Don't quote me to that one. I'm doing this from the top of my head, so forgive me. So 2520, 721 BC, Samaria is taken into captivity, or pardon me, Samaria, the, the city of the northern kingdom, the Assyrians take it into captivity. Now, I see when we deduct from 721 BC, now the numbers get smaller as you go to the year zero. There's no year zero, so you have minus one to plus one, so you have to add that one to jump over. So you've got 721 BC, it comes right down. You add that one, you start at 1 AD, and you keep continuing on, taking off the 2,520 years. You know what year you come to? The year 1914. A.D., First World War, God took peace from off the earth. Now, notice this. Notice this. This had to start happening. Why? Because God was about to liberate Jerusalem. God was about to liberate Jerusalem. Jesus says, Jerusalem shall be trodden down of the Gentiles until the times of the Gentiles be fulfilled. What times? The seven times. Punishment. And the Gentiles were the kingdoms that we're reading in Daniel chapter 2. Now, you see where this all fits in. Now, listen. When you go to uh, the Judah captivity here, they go into Babylon. See here? There's 120 years between these captivities. It wasn't like it all happened all together. 100 and 20 years between the two captivities, and at least 500 miles of a difference. So what you have to understand is, is that they know they're gone, but they don't know where. And the house of Judah then are in Babylon with Nebuchadnezzar. Here's some facts I want you to check on me, and you can check it out for yourself. The name Judah from the southern kingdom, he was one of the patriarchs. Here's something I want you to check. People talk about Abraham the Jew. I have something to tell you. Abraham wasn't a Jew. He was a Hebrew. 
There were no Jews. People talk about uh, Isaac. Maybe an Israelite. There were no Israelites or Jews. He was a Hebrew. Jacob wasn't even a Jew. There were no Jews. In fact, Jacob wrestles with the angel of the Lord all night and becomes known as Israel. It's the first mention of Israel. And so Israel, Jacob Israel, has 12 sons. 12 sons are named. The fourth son of Jacob Israel is called Judah. And it's from here we get the name Jew. So that's the first mention of the Jews. Okay. That's when they come into history, pardon me. Let me show you the first mention of the plural name Jews. You can write it down or you can look at it if you want while I'm speaking. There is one, the first time you'll read J-E-W-S, the English word Jews, is in 2 Kings chapter 16. Not in any other book, the whole way through the Old Testament. 2 Kings 16 and verse 6. And guess what they're doing? They're fighting with their brethren, the house of Israel. And the house of Israel have the backing of the king of Syria who was above them again. And the two kings came down to fight them. So they're fighting one another. So now they become two entities. The northern kingdom, they become lost to themselves but not to God. And so now in our reading we have Nebuchadnezzar in Babylon with the house of Judah. If you write this number down, 3046, and look up Strong's Concordance, 3046, in the Old Testament or the Hebrew Aramaic, you'll find that he will tell you that the name Jew comes from the name Judah. The, the actual name is Yehudi. That's the name of it, the Yehudi are the Jews. And so, then whenever you have this, we all know then Cyrus, we're going to look at it in a moment, Cyrus releases some of the Jews then, they go back into Jerusalem to build the temple. You have Ezra, you have Nehemiah, and they're building the walls in the temple, and Nehemiah comes out, and we read the book of Nehemiah. They're coming out from this captivity. Is everybody with me okay? I'm trying to take it a step at a time. So they're coming out from this captivity. And because they're coming out from uh, this captivity, many of the, the Judaites or the Jews stay in Babylon and don't return. And they mingle with Babylon, a lot of them. And that's where you get the Babylonian Talmud comes from. And they say even later years that Christ is boiling in hell in his own excrement. They hate him. They detest him. Now notice this, when they stay in, you'll read of Esther. We all know the book of Esther in the Bible. She stays in, and the Jews are saved. Remember, Haman goes to uh, destroy the Jews and Mordecai. Now, Esther chapter 2, verse 5, you can turn or else listen, to what, listen and read it later. It says, Now in Shushan, the palace, there was a certain Jew whose name was Mordecai. Notice this, the son of Jair, the son of Shimei, 
the son of Kish, a Benjamite. Notice that. Who is he from? The light-bearing tribe. He's from the tribe that was told in 1 Kings chapter 11 to uh, Jeroboam when God would separate the kingdom that the tribe of Judah would have a tribe with them always. And there's a Benjaminite among the Judahites even out there. He was a Jew by religion and a Benjaminite by tribe. He was of Israel of nationality. Does that make sense to you now? You see that? Now the northern kingdom are away. Never to return again. In 1 Kings chapter uh, 17. uh, 1 Kings 17. You'll see this about the separating of the kingdom. Chapter 17. And let your eye run down to verse 18 please. I tell you what, go to 1 Chronicles 5, 1 and 2. I think I've maybe written one of those down wrong. Go to 1 Chronicles chapter 5. I hope I haven't written this one down wrong. In verse 2. Let's do 1 and 2. Now the sons of Reuben, Reuben, the firstborn of Israel, for he was the firstborn, but for as much as he defiled his father's bed, notice, his birthright was given to the sons of Joseph. The son of Israel, that is the son of Jacob, Israel. And the genealogy is not to be reckoned after the birthright, for Judah prevailed above his brethren, and of him came the chief ruler. But, what does it say? The birthright was whose? Who? Joseph's. The birthright was who? It wasn't the Jews or Judah. The northern kingdom had the birthright. So the scriptures say. The scepter was in Judah. The king was in Judah. Christ would come from Judah, the king of kings. But the birthright, the real owners, was Joseph. The northern kingdom. Boy, that's still a bomb into some theology there, hasn't it? I didn't say that now, did I? Did you just read that in the Bible? Okay. Turn with me to Psalm 137. We'll get an idea of when they're in captivity here. Psalm 137. Psalm 137. You're all going to know this because this was a, turned into a song. By the rivers of Babylon, there we sat down. Yeah, we wept when we remembered Zion. We hang our harps upon the willows in the midst thereof. For there they that carried us away captive required of us a song. And they that wasted us required of us mirth, saying, Sing unto us one of the songs of Zion. How shall we sing the Lord's song in a strange land? If I forget thee, O Jerusalem, let my right hand forget her cunning. If I do not remember thee, let my tongue cleave to the roof of my mouth, if I prefer not Jerusalem above my chief joy. Remember, O Lord, the children of Edom in the day of Jerusalem, who said, raise it, raise it, even to the foundations thereof. Notice Edom here. 
told you they were their enemy, and they say, rack the place, basically. Ruin it. O daughter of Babylon, who art to be destroyed, happy shall he be that rewardeth thee as thou hast served us. Happy shall he be that taketh and dasheth thy little ones against the stones. They're singing that, or they're writing that, when they're in Babylon. Now, we're in the same time as Nebuchadnezzar has a dream. Nebuchadnezzar is the king of Babylonia, or Babylon, who have carried them all away. Now, that's our introduction. Okay. So now you get an idea where we are. Okay. That was very important because as you see, you need to try and come next week if God spares us. Because as you see, all of this happens because the nations start to grow. The nations not only start to grow, but they start to have all of this Babylonian mystery religion. It comes into Christianity. It's throughout Islam. It even goes in from the Babylonian Talmud into Judaism today. It goes into all mysticism and this mystic Christianity and all these things that we're hearing about. It goes into all sorts of forms of religion. It's in the European Union. It's, it's in the very governments. There's a one-world government and a new world order. And all of these things spring from this because it's all a spirit working through it. And it's gathering everyone together to ecumenize religion and to bring everyone into an economical one-world order or a new world order, one-world government. That it will control the people. You and I are already slaves. Do you know that? You're already a slave. You're a slave to debt usury. You're a slave to the international banking cartels. You're a slave to the Rothschilds. They're Edomite Jews. You're a slave to all of those sort of people because of the interest. They start a war, and when they start a war, the war's over here. They finance the two sides, so they're always winning. And in the meantime, we have Rome bringing everyone in under their banner. And in the meantime, we have Jesuitry pulling down different governments. And in the meantime, we have apostate Protestantism leading many to hell because they're saying they don't need to stay to the Scriptures and the Word of God. They don't need to be preaching the blood of the Lamb anymore. And then in the meantime, we have crazy charismaniacs now who are, who are way beyond what God ever wanted them to do and say. And it's all coming from mystery Babylon the Great. That book of Revelation speaks of mystery Babylon the Great, the mother of harlots. It, the, the Bible in Revelation calls it a, a, a cage of hateful and unclean birds. God says that about this world system. But then we're going to look at this, and we're going to see that Christ is coming. And he smashes it all, and he sets up his kingdom, and you and I will rule and reign with him in righteousness. Isn't that wonderful? Now you can see God's plan in this. Daniel chapter 2 with me, please. Is everybody still with me okay? I know it's a lot to take in. I'm trying to do it a bit at a time. And you know, I, I, I know it. I have it all in my head. But it's not that easy whenever you haven't really heard it or you're, you haven't been studying it. So in Daniel chapter 2, Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, calls his soothsayers and all his magicians. He says, I had a dream last night. First of all, tell me what I dreamt. He didn't tell them the dream and say, what does it mean? He says, I want you to tell me what I dreamt and then tell me what it means. Give me the interpretation. None of them could do it. And then they remembered Daniel. Daniel was in the captivity of Babylon from Jerusalem. And Daniel was what's known in the Bible as one of the good figs. There's good figs and bad figs in, in the Bible, in the book of Jeremiah. 
And this good figure says he has a good spirit. In other words, God was working in him and on him. And so he brings him in and Daniel says, give me time to pray. And off he goes and prays. And he comes back with our reading in 2 Daniel chapter 2, verse 31. Now, O king, sawest and behold a great image. And then we've read of our reading. Now, let your eye run down to verse 36. He tells the dream. This is what the dream, an artist's impression of it. Verse 36. This is the dream, and we will tell the interpretation thereof before the king. Thou, O king, art a king of kings, for the God of heaven hath given thee a kingdom, power, strength, and glory. And wheresoever the children of men dwell, the beasts of the field and the fowls of the heaven, hath he given into thine hand, and hast made thee ruler over them all. Thou art this head of gold. Daniel says, here's the interpretation, Nebuchadnezzar, thou art this head of gold. It represents the Babylonian kingdom. You are it, Nebuchadnezzar. Verse 39, And after thee shall rise another kingdom inferior to thee, and another third kingdom of brass, which shall bear rule over all the earth. And the fourth kingdom shall be strong as iron, for as much as iron breaketh in pieces, and subdueth all things. And as iron that breaketh all these, shall it break in pieces and bruise. And whereas thou sawest the feet and toes of potter's clay and part of iron, the kingdom shall be divided, but there shall be in it of the strength of iron, for as much as thou sawest the iron mixed with clay, merry clay. And as the toes of the feet were part of iron and part of clay, so the kingdom shall be partly strong and partly broken. Now notice, he shows them this. You're the head of gold. After the head of gold, there comes an inferior kingdom, Nebuchadnezzar. The breast and arms of silver. We find out that that is the Medo-Persian Empire. Two arms. Medo-Persian Empire. That's what it stands for. So the two arms of silver, we have the Cyrus uh, and Darius, the Medes and the Persians. We'll look at them as well in a moment. Or maybe not the moment. We'll see how we get on. And then the brass kingdom or the bronze kingdom, the midriff here, that comes the next kingdom who disposes of them in history is Alexander the Great. Alexander the Great's empire went from the whole way to India, right the whole way across Greece and, of course, Europe. That was the Grecian empire. And then when you read further into Daniel, you're going to read of Aram and, uh, with a notable horn and, uh, and you're going to read of, a, of another uh, uh, he-goat. You're going to read of these clashing together. And this is these two kingdom empires in Daniel. The next is the legs of iron. And the legs of iron is the Roman, pagan Roman empire of the Caesars. The pagan Roman empire of like Julius Caesar and all of those Caesars. Where Pontius Pilate was under, uh, Pontius Pilate was under the Caesar. And this is at the time of Christ. So we have way before Christ and all the kingdoms right down. And that Jesus said that these Gentiles' times won't end until the way into the future. And we have to then believe that they're still in the running this very moment. Notice, I'll give you another picture here. There, Babylon, Medo-Persia, Greece, Rome is the legs of iron. Notice the feet of iron and then it becomes clay. What happens is 
the pagan Romans, the, the beast of Rome has, of pagan Rome has a deadly wound. The last Caesar dies, and out of it, we'll notice it in another study that we do, comes a little horn with having man's eyes. And that little horn is the little horn of the West. Hold on, let's see if I can get you a picture of it. There, no, there's it. This represents the little horn of the West. And we'll also hear about a little horn of the East. There's it there. These two great religious entities in the earth. Now notice, here we find that the iron and the clay, the papal Roman Empire comes out of it then. And then, of course, it has the like of 500 AD. 500 AD, they then have what is known as a, 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 an emperor of the European, what would be the European Union. And he was Charlemagne. You've all heard of Charlemagne or Charlemagne, if you want to be polite. Charlemagne, he became the, the, uh, the, the emperor of the Roman Empire. That is the political Roman Empire, which would be the very foremost of today's European Union. So we have all of these coming, which is the feet, bringing all the nations, nationalities together. It all looks great, but what they're doing is they're bringing in the, what God had separated at Nimrod's Tower. They're trying to bring back in again into the European Union. They're trying to do it in the United States. They're running uh, railroads from South America now and wanting to build big roads right the whole way through into Mexico, through all those countries, right into Canada, and join that into a block. They want to have the Soviet Union and bring it in. Why do you think there's, there's, they're tussling each other at the minute? The European Union, listen, I know, I'm no big fan of Russia, but let me tell you something. The European Union are goading Russia. They're goading them. And they're going to get a war. And here's what they're doing. They're telling Britain, don't leave. See how we're backing you up over this. Over this... Uh, a spy being poisoned. Do you see, you need us. You need our protection. Do you see how we stood by you and we got rid of all their diplomats? That was a hook in the jaw of Russia. And Russia's angry about it. And in the meantime, they're trying to get up a, what's known as a rapid reaction force and a European Union army. Why do you think France and Britain done away with half of their uh, military forces so about five or six years ago and said they're joining forces together that, that it would be better because it was part of a European Union to bring us all in together. That we would lose our sovereignty as a nation. That's why people are sitting and going, but sure, the trade will be great. Listen, there's a whole world to trade with. There's a whole commonwealth to trade with. So, let me look a bit more at some of this. Thou art this head of gold, he says in Daniel 2 and 38. Daniel 2 and 35, let your eye run down. Then was the iron, the clay, the brass, the silver, the gold, broken to pieces together and came like the chaff of the summer threshing floors. And the wind carried them away that no place was found for them. And the stone that smote the great image became a mountain and filled the whole earth. Now notice this. Man sees himself as gold and silver, bronze and iron. God sees them completely different. Turn with me to Daniel chapter 7. Daniel 
we need to look at this at another, another time because this is just too big. This is just to give you a little snippet of where we'll go with this again. What has happened is in Daniel chapter 2, thou art the head of gold. Daniel chapter 3, Nebuchadnezzar builds a tower of gold and says everybody must worship this tower of gold. It's, the measurements are, are probably, like, uh, probably like a needle more than anything like that. Everyone, when you hear the music, bow down. And of course, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego got thrown in the fiery furnace, for they won't bow down. And he said, this is me. He says, now this is the image. Here, notice the gold standard coming out, the money coming in. Here is the, trying to get all of the, not only the religious aspect, but the, the, the material aspect of it together. Everyone worship this, because you'll worship me when you hear the music, the devil's music. He says, bow down and worship. And they don't, they're thrown in the fiery furnace. That's in Daniel chapter uh, 3, he builds this. In the Daniel chapter 4, guess what? The Lord smites him, Nebuchadnezzar, and he becomes like an animal, and his hair grows like feathers, and he has nails like claws. And for seven years, notice the number seven, God gives him seven years where he's eating grass like a cow. Shows you, Listen, see whenever God wants to do what's right, see when God's people keep humble, see when God's people pray for their nation, see when God's people pray for their government, see when God's people do what's right before him. It doesn't matter how wicked or how boisterous that the government are, he can always pull them down and put the right ones in. Now notice this. Notice this. Daniel chapter 5. Nebuchadnezzar repents as it were, starts to get back his kingdom, but he dies. And it's really his son, or maybe his grandson, is on the throne in Daniel 5. And, and he then, he's Belshazzar, and he makes a feast. Takes all the gold out of the temple brought from Jerusalem. Starts making fun of it. And the writing of a man's hand comes on the wall. Meany, meany, tekel your farsin. And basically he says, thou art, numbered, thou art numbered in the balances and found wanting. He says, behold, thy kingdom will be divided. And they've taken away from me and given to the Medes and the Persians. The Medes and the Persians that night, that night, took over and Belshazzar was put off his very throne. Now listen, when we get to Daniel chapter 7, in the first year of Belshazzar, king of Babylon, Daniel had a dream and a vision's upon his head in his bed and he wrote the dream told us some of the matters. Then Daniel spake and said, I saw in my vision by night, and behold, the four winds of heaven strove upon the great sea. The four beasts came up out of the sea. Notice beasts this time, diverse one from another. The first was like a lion and had eagle's wings till I beheld the wings were plucked off and it was lifted up from, off the, from the earth and made stand upon the feet as a man. And as a man's heart was given to it, behold, another beast, a second like unto a bear, and was raised up itself on one side and had three ribs in his mouth and between the teeth of it. And they, th they said thus unto it, Arise, devour much flesh. After this I beheld, and lo, another like a leopard, which had upon the back of it four wings of a fowl. And the beast had also four heads, and dominion was given to it. 
And after this I saw night visions, and behold, the fourth beast, dreadful and terrible and strong, exceeding, and it had great iron teeth. Notice the very iron on this, iron teeth. It devoured and break in pieces and stamped the residue with the feet, there, feet of it, and it was diverse from all the beasts that were before it, and it had ten horns. There's ten horns now, instead of ten teeth, or ten toes, pardon me. There's it there. People have been, I, I don't know how many people I have listened to and I have watched trying to explain these beasts. Someone was saying, oh, this leopard is America and these things. They're going, where are they getting this from? The lion is the gold. The bear is the silver. The leopard is the bronze and the beast. They can't even work out what it is. They don't, is it, is it an animal? Is it some, you know, uh, is it a dragon? What is it? Notice it's a beast. The other ones are recognizable even though they're, they're strange looking. But the fourth is a beast because they just can't work it out. And that's what's happening today with the European Union. That's what's happening today with the Church of Rome and the Ecumenical. And that's what happens today with the Church of England and the Protestant denominations and the apostates. That's what's happening today with many of the charismatics you see in, in Pentecost and, and all of that. I'm a Pentecostal and I'm, and I'm not ashamed of it. But that's what you see. And people are going... What is happening? What is all this that's going on? It's a mishmash, and nobody's able to understand what this beast is. Let me tell you what it is. It is the spirit of the mystery religions of Babylon. That's what's happening. It's the mystery religions of Babylon. Atheism is from it. Islam is from it. Even Talmudic Judaism is from it. Mormonism is from it. Jehovah's Witness. I'm going to talk to you in another week about the spirit of Antichrist. It's all in this. Everything against Christ and against the Word of God. Everything against the blood. Everything against the truth of God's worship. That's what you're seeing all over the world today. It's all coming and foretold in the Word of God. Let me try and finish this this evening because I've only done a page and a half of eight pages there. <laughs> Here's something just before uh, maybe we, we wrap up and go home. Bear with me. So many pages, I don't know where I am. Okay, so when we look at this man of gold down to the the feet of clay and the feet of iron, it says they will not cleave one to another. Now, if you get iron that's been laying in the dirt for a while and you pull it out and it's full of dirt, you just need to do that and it breaks off. Isn't that right? That's what he means. Won't cleave. That's why you're seeing nations unable to agree with nations in the European Union. That's why you're seeing Italy is about to turn. And what you find is you get far right and extreme left rising up. There's no level-headedness. It's breaking off. Everything's falling apart. But the iron's still there. The very vein of gold to silver to brass to iron is all still there. It's all there in mystery religion. Here's what happens. You ready? Daniel chapter 2. Daniel chapter 2. 
Let your eye run down verse 44. And in these days of these kings shall the God of heaven set up a kingdom. My God called Abraham. That was the start of the kingdom of God on earth. Isaac. We've looked at that today. Jacob. Jacob becomes Israel. The twelve sons. Judah. Joseph, the northern and the southern kingdoms. Judah, Babylon. Joseph, scattered. Joseph, going westward. And in that, God will glorify his name. He's setting up his kingdom, become a commonwealth and a great nation. Now notice this. In the days of these kings shall the God of heaven set up a kingdom which shall never be destroyed. This is God's kingdom. Which shall never be destroyed and the kingdom shall not be left to other people. This is the final kingdom. No one will be able to conquer the Christ. But it shall break in pieces and consume all these kingdoms and it shall stand forever. For as much as thou sawest that the stone was cut out of the mountain without hands, and that I break in pieces the iron, the brass, the clay, the silver, the gold. The great God hath made known to the king what shall come to pass hereafter. And the dream is certain, and the interpretation is sure. Do you know what he's saying? You might think Christ isn't coming. You might think this kingdom isn't here, but in these kings is already happening. The, the sons of Abraham are there. And then Christ comes and dies on the cross. And then the gospel goes out. The light-bearing tribe carries it out. And then there's many come to saving faith in Christ. And then that goes into, of course, our nation and the United States. We send forth the missionaries throughout all the world. Now, notice what happens. This is until, and it's not fully come to Christ's returns. Daniel chapter 2, or pardon me, 7. Here's what happens at the ascension of, happened at the ascension of Christ. In verse 13. And I saw the night visions, and behold, one like the Son of Man came with the clouds of heaven and came to the Ancient of Days. Here's Jesus coming to his Father. Notice this. He's coming to his Father. He hasn't even appeared in Bethlehem yet. There's 600 years before he even dies yet. And the Spirit of God has shown Daniel, the Lord Jesus Christ, ascending out of the grave to go to heaven. And they brought him near before him, and there was given him dominion and glory and a kingdom that all people, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting kingdom, or dominion which shall not pass away, and this kingdom and his kingdom that shall, that which shall not be destroyed. Now let your eye run down to verse twenty two. In fact, twenty one, and I beheld the same horn made war with the saints. This is the little horn. I'll show you it again another time. There's too much to go into. His time's well flown. And I beheld in the same horn made war with the saints and prevailed against them. You have to think of this now. We think of Martin Luther and the reformers rising, making war with the saints. And this continues on. And now those who have come to saving faith in Christ, on different countries they're making war. There's Islam is making war. Different ones are making war. But notice, this is the little horn of the West. We'll talk about the little horn of the East in another day. 
And they made war with the saints and prevailed against them until the Ancient of Days came and judgment was given to the saints of the Most High. And the time came that the saints possessed the kingdom. Isn't that fantastic? The saints possessed the kingdom. Who is he speaking about? You. The stone cut out without hands in the dream. A wee picture. Not there. Smashes the image. It's the kingdom of Christ comes. And those of us who are saved by grace and washed in the blood of the Lamb, when the kingdom comes, the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together to meet the Lord in the air. And we will return with Him. And we will rule and we will reign as the saints of the Most High God, the children of the King. This is the kingdom of our God and of His Christ, and He shall reign forever and ever. Here's the thing. Are you saved? Are you saved? Next week, in the Lord's will, I want to look more. I started writing yesterday, and I wrote nearly all day yesterday. I didn't leave the house the whole day. And I started writing just on the lion with the wings. Babylon coming to take Judah or the Jews away. And what the scriptures warned them of. And next thing then, we'll look at the, the Medo-Persian, and then we'll go into the Greeks. Don't know how long it's going to, I'll maybe just be able to run them all in one to another. That's an overview for the next week or two when we come. Is everyone able to keep up with me there? All right. Can you see all this happening today? Can you see all of this? Do you know people hate me for preaching this stuff? See the abuse I get sometimes? Some of you were with me in a previous place. And I preached on Brexit, remember? A lot of you were there. Well, this certain pastor went online and hammered me. Oh, dear. In fact, I didn't know. It was somebody else. He's actually here, sent me it. I take it that's who they're talking about. <laughs> and you know what they said? How can you get all of that from an Old Testament dream? Not realize this is the inspired word of God. This is God's word. People say I'm a New Testament Christian. That's fair enough. People say, well, I'm an Old Testament Christian. That's fair enough. I'm a whole Testament Christian. I believe in all of it. And we'll continue to. I trust that you have been enlightened. And I trust, even if you haven't agreed, that you'll maybe go home and search these things, whether they be so. And I trust that you've been blessed by knowing that your God is still on the throne. That he knew all of this. And next week in God's will, I'm going to show you. I want to talk about how these kingdoms are crushed to powder and there's found no place for them. Do you know the book of Revelation mentions that at the great white throne judgment? Do you know that that's actually... See, Daniel, it says, shut up the book. Seal up the book, he says. In Revelation, he says... For the things are happening from here, shortly to come to pass. 
the book of Daniel shuts it up and the book of Revelation opens it up. People say from chapter 4 on, we don't know about the book of Revelation. Listen, Islam was spoken about in Revelation chapter 9. Locusts and the men with, with, with golden turbans on their saying like crowns of gold. That's all, in Dan- that's all in the Revelation chapter 9. Jesus spoke of it in Matthew 24. If they're in the deserts, don't, don't go out to see them. Don't go out to them. If they're in the secret chamber, that's where the secret chamber of the papacy would have. They're voting for the Pope. Says, believe them not. Billions of people, poor, blighted, blighted people are blinded by these things. Blinded by them. Listen, I'm not against uh, uh, anybody, uh, words, whoever they're from. I'm not saying that in hatred. I'm saying that because it's how much they need the light. What they need to know. And listen, see if you're an Ulster loyalist. And you kick the drum and play the flute and all that sort of stuff. When I tell you something, see if you think you're going to push your way to heaven on the big bass drum, you're not going to get there. It's as simple as that. Honestly, I remember some boys and they were thinking, well, we're prods. I know they used to wear t-shirts, smoking the dope and kicking the Pope living in a proddy wonderland. <laughs> That's what they wore. It says, you know, see if you die like that, you'll go to hell. You'll go to hell. The need saved. No matter who you are. Need saved. Need born again. Father, will you take your word and seal it in our hearts? Help us to see the greatness of our God and King. But we thank you, Jesus, that you died on the cross. That we might enter in. That when you return, Lord, that we will be in the kingdom. For we want to be in that number when the saints go marching in. Father, bless your people. And even now, Lord, as we have a time of praise, we ask you, O God, to anoint our worship. For your name's sake we ask it. Amen.